Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the house of mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Third on FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm Springs. You are back in the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren, man. On the other side of the country, we've got Mr. David Nor'easter Martino. <laughs> We're keeping you Nor'easter for the whole week. Next week, that's you'll right. be back to normal. You'll be nor, nor rainy. Nor rainy. Okay, that's perfect. Nor'easter. That's a good name. Rose yeah. Rainy. I'll call you Rose Rainy. Rain Rose. Randy Rose. No. I'm taking it. You're taking it. Well, we have a thousand some, names. Yeah, something fresh every day. Well, when you're a serial <laughs> killer on the run, you need to have names. That's right. <laughs> to keep it going here. You know, so I want like to be that. caught. Yeah. And no more, you're not allowed out in the buffet anymore after that no. big scene you caused yesterday. Oh. So <laughs> when the, um, you take all the steaks. Yeah, you take all the steaks. And then, and then everyone throwing it, 40 of them throwing their chairs and everything. And you just sneak out. You probably put them all That's in right. your bag and left. I did. <laughs> what do you have me on video? I do. I'm, I'm going to sell it. This too. didn't happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, <laughs> you know, yeah. I tell you, put you in a restaurant. Can't take you on a plane. Can't take anything with you. No. Just behave yourself. <laughs> I don't know what your wife's going to do with you. I'll tell you. I don't know. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna give her a a gift for free psychological help help <laughs> three times a week for living with me yeah yeah living with yeah. you poor cat your cat's probably gone nuts too by now the cat is already nuts yeah yeah it's walking around. i have that that effect on people and yeah. and animals yeah i bet yeah <laughs> I don't know. well 
Now, now, Tim, we've got it's been it's been quite a week this week. I'll tell you, quite a, an array of writers this week, all over the place. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Now today we are kind of getting into the, uh, I guess, dark fantasy, and we go a little bit of horror here, and we've got a little bit of everything. So we'll just we'll talk to the author here. Now the book uh, we're talking about is a demon's trade, damned if she does. Book one, and the authors are guests, Catherine Hudson. Thank you for being here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. It's always good to have uh, interesting writers on and stuff. Um, I'm glad I'm to be interesting. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, if you're not, we will make you interesting. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, that's what we do. You've written a few books now, so you've, you've done a few few things out here. And how, what kind of writer do you consider yourself? Do you consider yourself a cult, horror, dark fantasy? Like, wh- where do you see yourself? Um, if I had to pick one, I would say it's dark fantasy. And then that's the overarching umbrella. Um, so uh, there is some occult, there is some horror, there is, um, a lot of humor as well. And I recently have branched into urban fantasy. So pulling all those things together, it's kind of a mashup. It's good. It's interesting. It's kind of life, life, because you meet all these types of people, you have all these experiences in your life. They're not all these you know, it's such a variety. But um, where where do you think that comes from? Where does like the the horror, dark fantasy sort of side of you come from? Is it something you've 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 been into since you can remember, or is this something that who knows? I have been into dark fantasy and horror for yes, as long as I can remember. I started um, reading Stephen King when I was ten, so. Of course, no, no adults in my life were aware of this at the time, but <laughs> I, I started then. Um, and for me, which is actually, I love that you asked this question because I have come up with an answer for it um, the last couple of months. Um, for, for me, it was uh, a way for me to make sense of a lot of the darker things in my own life. Um, growing up from a very young age, I, you know, struggled a lot to find uh, a a place of belonging and sort of, you know, light and fun and happiness. And I think diving into that darkness um, made me feel not so alone. So at this point, you know, um, I I write dark fiction and and more generally, you know, um, dark fantasy because I do love fantasy and it's, it's fun to create worlds and make things up and, you know, make the impossible possible. And now I, I dive into that darkness as a way to hopefully offer other people who are going through similar, you know, um, dark times in their lives or have um, a chance to make sense of those and also um, illuminate the dark spaces in order for the light to be there. You say you put humor to it. So is the reason that you've got the humor in it is to kind of, um, is it kind of your way of saying, well, you know, there, there might be some dark things you're dealing with, but in a way we've got to kind of laugh at it because, you know, life is life. That is exactly right. Um, you know, I have a, a lot of people ask me after speaking to me how I can be uh, such a lighthearted person and laugh as much as I do uh, and then write the dark things that I write. <laughs> um, and it's, it's because, you know, I think for me, uh, first of all, 
having a sense of humor and initially it started as a very self-deprecating sense of humor was a way for me to uh, <laughs> deal with awkwardness and discomfort. Um, and I think at this point, you know, as much as the darkness can bring people together through shared experiences, so can laughter and so can humor. And um, nobody wants just constant awfulness all the time. Right. Um, and it, yeah, if we can't laugh at the, some of the more absurd uh, situations and scenarios, uh, in my opinion, you know, there's not much, much left. I, I make fun of everything in life because None of it's really that serious. It is and it isn't. You know what I mean. It's, Absolutely. When you're putting yourself in, it, you know, if it comes from some of the dark things in your life or some of the things that bring on the darkness, um, is your writing kind of your way of dealing with it for yourself? I I think, you know, I, I can't be 100% certain, but uh, based on the way that my life has, has changed over the last um, 10 plus years, I think that I have done the majority of the work in dealing with, um, you know, dark times in my own life and moving past them and learning how to integrate more light and joy and happiness. Um, but I do still draw from my experiences when I write these things. So I'm, I'm not writing, you know, dark, violent, explosive adventures, um, to process my own pain or, you know, uh, work through those things on my own. I, I did a lot of that already. Now it's just fun for me. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting process. Do you, so each book you go, that you complete and you write through your, through your life so far, uh, did you find that each book sort of um, changes you somewhat um, after you finished it? There's, there's always a little bit of, of change. Of course, completing a book, you know, is in and of itself a massive accomplishment. So, you know, anyone who, who writes and who has finished books and written them, um, I salute you, first of all. And, you know, it's, it's a big deal. And, um, more than anything, recently, I have found that whenever I finish a book, there's far more of myself injected into the characters and, and the situations than I ever expected and that I ever, uh, more than I ever intended, really. You know, uh, I draw on my own experiences and then um, I'll find myself uh, really connecting with some of the more intense um, situations that I, I put my characters through on purpose, you know. Um, so it does affect me that way. And I... When I finished um, my most recently completed series, Accessory to Magic, I, it was definitely a, a few tears just because it had drawn to a close. You know, fall in love so much with the characters and um, and fall in love with them all over again when readers fall in love with them, too. Uh, it's it's bittersweet. My, my newest series, Dan She Does, is set in the same world, so I got to put myself back in that world and uh i will be playing with some of the same characters so it's not over yet <laughs> yeah it's not over till dave sings that's right uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a process when you go through this and, and putting out books and stuff like that do you do you feel a little bit vulnerable by sharing some of your own 
feelings and, and putting yourself into the character so much, like so much of you are, is shared by this. So it does it, especially when someone comes along and gives you like a one star or two star, or they don't want to yeah. say something like nasty, you know, and stuff like that. Does it, does it sort of kind of make you feel, Ooh, you know, that, that, that meant a lot to me and I shared it. And now you come along and say, well, she can't write or something like that. Right. You know, I, <laughs> I get those. Uh, I attack. Oh yeah. Yeah. So does that, yeah. does that kind of make you feel vulnerable, but ex- just letting it out there? Um, you know, I really only had felt um, particularly vulnerable with um, actually one of my uh, dystopian sci-fi books, the first one, uh, because I had put so much of myself into that book, um, probably more than any of my others. And before that book released, this is uh, Sleepwater Beat. It's the first book in the Blue Helix series. Um, I, I had, I had a little bit of a struggle <laughs> with um, putting that book out there, and and it was a an unfounded fear. You know, I, um, I remember thinking and probably even telling my husband at the time, like, oh, I can't put this out there. Everyone's gonna know. Everyone, the whole world is gonna know that I wrote about me and they're going to know all my secrets and they're going to hate me. Um, that book actually became an international bestseller almost immediately. So uh, I didn't actually have anything to worry about and no one has uh, mentioned anything <laughs> about my personal life through these books. So that, that was a big eye opener for me. Um, and I think that actually paved the way for me to be able to um, get so vulnerable over and over again with pretty much everything that I've written since then. I've, I've heard many times from other authors as well, you know, you, you haven't made it until, until you get a good handful of those one and two star reviews, <laughs> which, <laughs> you know, you can't please everybody. And, and that totally is valid and I have no problem with it. Well, you know, but that's all right. We'll get we'll get some one for you. We'll get some. Oh, like thank you, thank yeah, you very that's, much. That's what we do. That's just what I need. Yeah. yeah, we'll get it on. Come on, everyone. No, um, <laughs> actually, so so when you get to your new book, uh, A Demon's Trade. Now, this is uh, damned if she does book one. So this is part of a series. Um, w- when you do a book like this, and you have it. Uh, kind of you know it's going to be part of a series here. You got to you know you're you're writing something. Are you? Are you already pre-planned? Do you know kind of how it's going to end? And even down book two, three, four, do you kind of know in your mind right now is it kind of outlined somewhere and you kind of know well, this is where it begins, this is where it ends, and the books just take you there? I do. I um, Until about a year and a half, oh, no, yes, about a year and a half ago, um, I was 100% a pantser. I would never plan anything. I would, you know, I wouldn't even start writing a book until uh, I had the beginning, middle, and end, and a few, few scenes, very few, uh, percolating in my head for a little while, and I wouldn't even touch an outline or or an abstract or anything. Um, and that worked, um, but the process of writing itself was very slow. Um, for me and compared to um, the uh, the amount of, of content that I'm producing now. I'm also a ghostwriter. I, I 
ghostwrite fiction as well. So um, I write quite a, quite a bit more than what is published out there under my name. Um, so about about a year and a half ago, I, I um, started to write very loose outlines first for um, a series in general, and um, and then for each specific book within that series. And I found that that helped me immensely um, with just the the speed of writing. I didn't have to stop and think about where I was going next. I already had a very, very sparse blueprint. Um, I do. I do know exactly where the Damned If She Does series is headed and where it's going to end. There are always uh, so many surprises that pop up within the process. That's where I think the real magic is. I have never been able to uh, write a, an incredibly detailed outline, you know, chapter by chapter. Um, that also, I think, ruins the fun for me. But it's in it's in the process of writing, and when I'm in that flow state, that all this the really fun details um, just sort of pop up organically, and then you know, at that point, I may add something that I had never intended to include or may take it in a back to, you know, a point that I definitely knew I wanted um, within a specific book. But um, I, I always end up surprising myself with what actually gets written down and, and uh, stays in each book and the characters more than anything else surprise me. Well, that's what I was going to ask too. Uh, you know, you men- mentioned um, uh, being, you know, writing from the seat of your pants, and uh, I-, I was just curious if um, you know you've ever had a character kind of just go off the rails and you know rebel against the plot. And uh, you know, did you have that happen, or are you more in control? Um, I'm definitely not in control. <laughs> I would say I'm more of a facilitator. <laughs> um, I. I think I think the biggest uh, instance of a, of a character just completely rebelling against me was um, in one of my earlier series that is not nearly as well known. Um, I had a a character in mind who I thought was going to be something of a villain, um, a, a treacherous character um, that turned turned against the main character and. Um, Instead, I ended up, well, I ended up writing him because that's who he ended up being um, as a, an old man in the, in the middle of a, a love story. So that surprised me a lot. And he became, you know, um, sort of a benevolent guide to the main character. And I had not intended for that to happen at all, but it, it worked out so much better for the story and so much better for the plot. Um, and, you know, a lot of the times, uh, I, I have a feel of uh, the main characters, you know, and uh, where I would like to see them go and how they respond to certain situations. And um, I think most specifically the the aspects of them that are broken, the struggles that they have and that darkness inside them, that's what I'm most in tune with. And everything else uh, just kind of arises as I'm writing. So I get to meet them as they appear on the page and then uh, we keep going together from there. So I have also never um, mapped out a character uh, or done character sketches. I've never, um, uh, you know, written out 
magic systems or political systems or mapped out a world that I'm creating. It just, it just shows up on the page when I'm writing it. So my readers meet these characters and, uh, you know, discover these new places pretty much in the same way that I do when I'm writing them. What do you consider your relationship with your characters? I ask that because a lot of fiction writers that we talk to will say, you know, give us um, descriptions of their characters as like their family or their children or things like that. What do you, how do you describe your, your characters? I admire them in a lot of ways. And uh, I write, I write characters that in my mind uh, in some ways are who I would like to be in certain situations. Most of my characters I would never actually want to meet in person. And I'm sure that we would hate each other. So, um, that, you know, it's, it, I guess it's a love hate relationship with my characters. Definitely not my family. Definitely not my children. Um, or, uh, yeah, <laughs> they can be prickly and they have a lot of redeeming qualities. And, uh, no, that's an interesting question. I, um, I'm not sure if we would get along very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm wondering, how do you experience your characters? Do you have an inner monologue? Can you hear your characters? Or um, is it more images and symbols that you're kind of transcribing as, as you're writing these books? Hmm. I That's also a really good question. I would say that when I, I sit down and I really get into writing, um, it's more like I become my characters. So they're not, they're not me. They don't become me. Um, that would make for probably very boring books, <laughs> but, uh, step into their shoes. And so it's more like, um, like I am watching a movie in my own head and it all just comes out through my fingers. So I, 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 I have been tested with, you know, the, the, typing test to see how how fast you type um yeah. i can type 110 words per minute when i'm wow. trans when i'm transcribing something yeah um and, and that that's very fast my fingers move faster than my brain so uh <laughs> i don't write that quickly <laughs> when i'm you know uh, actively creating um but that speed does allow me to basically just channel that playing movie in my mind that I see right down onto the page. Um, and, you know, sometimes I even sit there and type with my eyes closed and <laughs> that uh, sentences actually, you know, turn out coherent. Um, I also, I have been playing piano since I was five. So that muscle memory with um, fingers and knowing where keys are uh, both on a keyboard and on a piano are very helpful. So I, I'm not thinking about actually writing. I'm in the story and I am in my character's shoes and I'm living it with them as it comes out. You're in the book, the demons trade here. You're um, what I guess your main character is Kelly Sullivan is a bounty hunter, I believe, right? Correct. Uh, is it, it's not like dog, the bounty hunter. This is uh <laughs> this is this is like um this is uh more more serious stuff here you know so um with 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 Kelly um how do you describe Kelly like who is Kelly Sullivan Kelly Sullivan is a half human 
half Montauk, um, which is a, a creature race that I had created in the accessory to magic series. So like I said, this is in the same world. Um, and the human world who doesn't know about magic or these magical creatures think that she is a demon. They call her a demon. So um, for all intents and purposes. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Kelly is a half demon and she comes from um, a childhood and a place where she was hmm, raised, trained. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? maybe in some ways brainwashed, coerced into being uh, as terrible as she could possibly be. Um, so my dogs aren't great, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, I would call them something of an, an evil race or uh, just incredibly sadistic, one or the other. Um, and she is at a point um, in a demon's trade when we first meet her where she's trying to uh, branch out on her own and stop carrying the weight of, you know, a lot of torment and trauma from uh, being raised by 
a father who is a demon <laughs> and uh, her human side keeps her from completely succumbing to that darkness. But um, so she's trying to do the right thing. She's a bounty hunter of dark artifacts and curse magic and netherwork. And um, she doesn't go after people. She goes after things and steals them so no one can use them. <laughs> um, and that's her, her attempt to sort of redeem herself and also, you know, be the complete opposite of what she was raised to be. Now, I'm just wondering, do, do you draw from, uh, as, you, as you're creating these uh, demon characters and, and some of the other stuff with, within the story, uh, are you drawing from different mythologies, or is most of this coming directly from your own imagination? I, it, on the surface level, I would say it comes directly from my own imagination. And then, of course, you know, demons are not from my own imagination. You know, um, so there are different legends and lore and mythology um of course different fantasy worlds i also read a lot of fantasy among other things so um it's been, <laughs> i think it's whatever i can pull from the primordial soup of my brain and uh, put my own spin on it um so you know in in this series there are um you know fey and orcs and trolls and um sort of the more I don't want to say generic but more um, easily recognizable races and creatures and then there are um, there are characters like the Umbal um, Callie's best friend Heath is an Umbal and that, that is a race that I created um, and they basically walk and operate and live and fight interdimensionally uh <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of weird uh, sci-fi stuff in there too um so i i like to bring in a little bit of the familiar you know something that fantasy readers will recognize i don't have to um create an entirely new world with entirely new races um because it is urban fantasy right so it, it draws on what we know in the real world and it puts those um fantastical elements into the everyday and the mundane um but it gets boring if i don't get to make something up uh out of nothing so i like to to stick in um things that nobody has ever seen before at least i hope because to me they're brand new <laughs> well you, you know when you so when you're writing and putting together a story like this there's a lot of action and there's uh lots of stuff going on here um do you have an underlying subtext or something that you hope some meaning that you hope people get out of each each book yes um you know every every book has a little bit of a a different message of course along the, the same themes as the others in, in a specific series um i do try to insert um one message that I, I hope my readers continue to pick up on and that I know um, I know my current readers now have seen and appreciate is um, the idea that, um, you know, no matter what kinds of mistakes we've made or how badly um, <laughs> we may have screwed something up um, or how much we may have hurt ourselves 
or others. Um, that that those decisions and and the mistakes that we've made, the things we've done, don't define who we are, um, and they don't dictate the choices that we make for our futures moving forward. And that was a that was a big theme for me in my life. Um, so I that's important for me to put into my work and that's part of um why I am so drawn to the darkness and why I I love playing in that realm is because there are a lot of really great um lessons and redemption stories that can come out of it um let's see this year uh in July this year I um will have 12 years clean in recovery from heroin addiction. So that was, I think my, probably my biggest, darkest place. And um, that message was something that took me quite a while to uh, discover and then, you know, fully acknowledge and accept. And um, it helped me get to where I am now. So I, I really do strive to, you know, bring that message into pretty much everything I write. Um, because I know how helpful it is. Well, congrats on that. Yeah, you've, thank you. <laughs> you're very welcome. You've uh, written uh, a lot. You've, you've done <laughs> a ton of books. I'm just wondering if, if you've noticed any specific motifs, any uh, re re recurrent themes, um, and if you've put them in, uh, if so, if, if you've put them in um, consciously or if stuff like that has come out unconsciously and you've noticed it. Um, yeah, so, you know, what I just mentioned, that's the biggest one, and that is very, very conscious. <laughs> um, and, you know, so I, I prefer to uh, write and work with, you know, broken characters, people or creatures um, who have been through those dark places, and now they're trying to figure out how to deal with it. Um, so there's uh, a lot of redemption story themes in there um and they're not always obvious <laughs> and uh, they can get a little muddy sometimes because I also very much enjoy sticking my characters into impossible situations and seeing if they can claw their way out of them um most of the time they manage it <laughs> um and you know I, I have a lot of fun I guess maybe I have a bit of a sadistic streak too. Who knows? Um, but that, you know, I guess it, it revolves around the, the same themes of, you know, bad choices don't make us bad people. And, um, and then also a lot of uh, not caring what anyone else thinks. <laughs> so, uh, that's that's what comes to mind uh, in answer to your question. You know, do you um, yourself have any outside inspirations, as in um, other writers or, or uh, you know, screenplays or what music or what what kind of influences you or helps you uh, um, kind of put together books in your mind? Yeah. Um, so, like I said. I ha have been reading Stephen King since I was 10. Um, I've and heard I think, of him. yeah, you know, he's, he, he's coming Stephen up, King. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I actually, I'm a huge fan of his Dark Tower series. I've read it 10 times so far and plan to continue rereading it. Yeah, uh, bit of a, a Dark Tower nerd that way. Um, and so that brings a lot of inspiration uh, to me, not so much in, in that it um, affects my writing, <laughs> my characters, uh, but that that kind of the it's very dark obviously it's Stephen King and it's also you know a mashup of fantasy and horror and western and all kinds of fun stuff um and so I take some influence I think from that and um Jacqueline Carey and her um Kushiel's Legacy series hit me in a lot of uh <laughs> in a lot of the fields <laughs> and <laughs> I, I enjoy, I really enjoy what she's done uh, with that series. And um, I, yeah, I, I think also, you know, <laughs> I can't write uh, with any music that has lyrics in it. So I find a lot of, um, of uh, epic movie scores <laughs> to play. And um, sometimes when I'm working on, on the really dark stuff, I'll dive into, um, like, you know, Norse metal. <laughs> 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 and that, that gets, you know, that gets me in the right headspace. Um, I do have playlists for different series that I'm working on, and they're all different depending on the feel and the genre and the tone I'm trying to go for. Um, I used to be able to write, oh, this is when I was in high school and college. Um, I, I wrote to Metallica a lot and uh, I can't do that anymore. Words distract me. Sounds distract me. Uh, the sound of my five-year-old or my dogs or a door shutting in the house distracts me. So I, I always have headphones in and I always have uh, just purely instrumental music playing um i think that that really helps me tap into the flow and the process of writing and i don't get my words mixed up with <laughs> whatever maybe playing in my ears um yeah i like hmm. really intense music too <laughs> yeah do you do, do so you write with a structure or like can you sit down and go well i'm writing nine to five monday to friday or do you can you set aside time like that and plan it, or do you actually have to be in a certain mood in order to write? Uh, I used to have to be in a certain mood in order to write. Um, and there's a period where I, I didn't touch a word of fiction for four years because I just, uh, I wouldn't let myself get in the mood. <laughs> but um, now it is, you know, like I said, I, I also ghostwrite fiction and then I have my own books. So, writing is my full-time job this is what I do um my husband is a stay-at-home dad he's homeschooling our five-year-old so my <laughs> my schedule may be a little crazy I wake up at 3 30 every morning um which is actually I have found the best time for me to start uh the creative process and get into the zone um and I actually started doing that when my daughter was very young and my husband was still working and I needed time to write. Um, 
and I loved it so much that I kept doing it. So I, I wake up at 3.30. I take the first hour of the day to wake up, do some journaling, meditating, all that fun stuff, you know, and it's still dark outside and my dogs aren't even awake. So nobody needs me for anything. Um, and then I start writing at 4.30 and basically right now I'm working on the 12 hour days, <laughs> five days a week. And I take lots of breaks throughout the day. I go for walks and um, I'm not a going to the gym kind of person. I'm very much a, a homebody. So we have a gym in our basement. Use that. Um, I do write in sprints. I've been doing that for about three years and it's very helpful. Um, so right now I, I will set a timer for 50 minutes, right straight through. And when that timer goes off, even if I'm in the middle of like uh, the most intense scene, I force myself to get up and I stop. I take a 10 minute break, you know, grab a snack, refill my water bottle. Maybe I'll read something that's entirely different than what I'm writing. I, I can't ever read the same genre as what I'm currently writing at the time. Um, and then I get back at it and that's my day. I, I usually write between 13 and 15,000 words a day and that's my work day. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, now besides the new book, the demon demons craft, um, what, what one book would you tell people to read Like someone that's never heard of you before, never read any of your books and, um, if there was one book that you would choose to give them to kind of get the feel for, for your writing, what would it be? Mm. <laughs> that depends on how brave the person is. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, someone like Dave, Dave, he's really yeah. brave. He's, he's, you know, martial arts, strengths, whiskey. He can do it all. Oh, he excellent. Do, yeah, he can do it all. You know, he's, he's gone. I listen to metal too. So. Yeah. So oh, perfect. Is. Yes. Then I, <laughs> then I would tell Dave in this instance, um, mm. to pick up Sleepwater Beat. And that's the first book in the Blue Helix series. Um, and that is LGBTQ plus dystopian sci-fi, um, which is a, a eerily timed parallel to yeah you know, so i published sleepwater beat in 2018 i had finished writing it in uh 2016 right before my daughter was born and um and it was a <laughs> a very um presciently timed release for you know what the world and our country was going through at the time um and that one I like to describe as the, the girl, the dragon tattoo meets X-Men in a very strange, not too distant future dystopia where um, certain people have developed a superpower with the spoken word. So a certain kind of storytelling elicits physical, visceral responses and people who hear it could be used as a weapon could be used as a shield. Um, and the main character gets caught up in the midst of kind of, you know, 
a rebellion, guerrilla warfare, perhaps. There are lots of guns and explosions and whiskey. <laughs> so that would be a very metal book as well. <laughs> um, and that, that was my first international bestseller. And then um, its sequel, Sleepwater Static, was uh, my other international bestseller. And that was also uh, released. <laughs> it was written before, um, you know, certain political shifts around the world uh, in 2020 and um, tackles a lot of the same issues that we were all going through at the time, which was, it was odd. That's an odd place to be when, when your books tell the future, which I, I know I'm not the only author who has experienced this, but um, yeah. And it's, it's, those books are not for the faint of heart. There's much less humor in those than in the accessory to magic series or damned if she does. But um I I have a, a real fondness for those books because they have a lot to say. Um, yeah, and, and Dave would like those, you know, bedtime yeah. reading with the cat. Totally, yeah. The fire, fireplace on, and <laughs> on the side. And, That's right. And the cat all cuddled, and then you, you yes. he, he reads to his cat. That's great. My my. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's such a nice man. He really is. <laughs> We need we need more people like that. Take care of their animals, you know. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you like interacting with people on social media? And do you have a website? How do, how do people find you? Yes, yes to all of those questions. Um, I do enjoy interacting on social media. Um, so that way, I can be found um, on Facebook at Catherine Hudson Fiction, um, and Instagram at Catherine Hudson Fiction. I, I have yet to fully crack the code on Twitter, but I do have a Twitter account that's at exquisitely dark and uh, TikTok at exquisitely dark. I'm trying to get better about making videos. Um, and my website is katherinehudsonfiction.com. I always love getting emails, especially um, from readers. So you know, you can always reach me by email. It's author at katherinehudsonfiction.com. Um, yeah, I'm in all those places. Great. We'll put all that up on our website as well so people can find you with one click and all that, you know, it's be good. Perfect. How, how, was, how was the um, COVID on your writing? Did COVID affect you and your ability to write or anything like that? In, in the beginning, um, there was a little bit of, um, <laughs> trepidation, I'll say, um, because, you know, when nobody knew what was going on, nobody knew what was happening. Um, but I, I consider myself very fortunate to not have been affected, um, nearly as much as so many other people by the pandemic. I may have actually written more during it. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I'm really, really fortunate to have already been writing full time um, before any of any of COVID came about, um, and I really am the kind of person who prefers to be at home in my house and not leave. My my husband runs all of our errands and does the shopping, and I like to stay home. So it really didn't change my life very much at all. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's fortunate. Well, some people, it, it affected, you know, the emotion of it. And, uh, Absolutely. Uh, so what do you got coming up next? What's on the shelf now? Coming up next, well, um, 
book two of the, of the Damned If She Does series of the Demon's Craft um, is available to pre-order now. That comes out on February 22nd. Um, and I am continuing the Damned If She Does series. That is my, my focus right now. Um, that'll be eight books. So there's quite a bit more to come. Yeah. How long does it take you to put together a book? Mm. <laughs> well, um, when I am uh, ghostwriting for clients and, uh, you know, <laughs> working with various schedules, right, right now I'm writing four books a month um, for clients. And then my own books usually take about six weeks because I'm writing other books as well at the same time. So it's, it's very fast for me. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. But hey, <laughs> I know yeah. I'm crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, Hey, you're in good company. So, well, it's been a real pleasure. Um, so now the book we're suggesting everyone buy, of course, is the demon's craft book. One is out now. Book two is coming. You know, it never ends. So uh, our guest <laughs> is the author of these great books. Catherine Hudson, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Alan Dave. Thanks, Catherine. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.